You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast. We're an independent, general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hello, my beautiful and lovely listeners, and welcome to Skylight. This is the Skylight Books Podcast, and I'm your host, Lance Morgan. Today, I'm so, so excited to welcome Jessica P. Pride to talk about her book, Black Love Matters, Real Talk on Romance Being Seen and Happily Ever Afters. Jessica Pride is a contributing editor for Book Riot, where she is the co-host of the When in Romance podcast and writes about bookish things of all kinds. Having earned an AB in the Interdisciplinary Project in the Humanities at Washington University in St. Louis and her MLIS at San Jose State University, she is now a librarian for a public library system in Southern Arizona, where she lives with her husband in an ever-growing collection of Funko Pops. Black Love Matters is her first book. Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I'm so excited to talk about this book. I mean, listen, Black Love, it matters. It, it matters. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a reading for us today? I do. Oh, perfect. Take it away. All right. This is from my untitled introduction to the book. And it's a little further on into the introduction. Skipped ahead a little bit. Romantic love has been one of the most essential elements of storytelling for centuries. Most people in the modern era have grown up on a steady diet of fairy tales and popular culture featuring the lasting power of true love and its kiss. Desire for that perfect kind of love, that happily ever after at the end of the story, is an almost universal trait for people from all walks of life. But for Black people in the United States and across the diaspora, depictions of love and romance, both true and fictional, have been hard won for the entire five centuries that people of African descent have been in the new world. And for the same number of centuries, and probably for centuries to come, those who were part of the majority culture didn't see anything wrong with that because they couldn't identify with characters who didn't look like them. In modern times, the Black consumer remains in search of stories about people like themselves falling in love. According to the Pew Research Center, the person most likely to read a book in the United States is a college-educated Black woman. And to bastardize Jane Austen a bit, it is a truth prevalently acknowledged that a Black reader of any gender in possession of literary wokeness must be in want of novels by the great storytellers of Black life, Toni Morrison, Alice Walker, Zora Neale Hurston, of memoirs centering social justice from Roxane Gay and Asada Shakur. Those goddesses of Black womanhood present compelling, meaningful stories that make us deeply consider our own lives and our important voices in our newfound modern canon. For ages to come, people will read their elegant, heavy-hitting analyses of the truths of Black life in America and around the world. As much as we need these books, we, as readers, viewers, consumers, deserve joy in our lives alongside the hard truths many prominent Black voices posit. We also... 
We already have such a traumatic history filled with stories featuring the constant loss of love or the idea that we don't deserve romantic happy endings or any kind of happy ending at all. And so we turn to love stories. Love stories about women in control of their lives and sexuality who are allowed to be desired and uplifted and who get the happy ending they deserve about black men who don't have to succumb to the toxic masculinity that society enforces and enables. Stories about people of all backgrounds and identities who might suffer, but who don't have to suffer for the sake of the plot. We all have stories and not one of them is the same, but we share a passion for love stories that brings us together in many different ways. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, that was such a good reading. Um, I'm so excited for this um, because I'm Black and I think love matters. So this is, I saw this book and I was like, yes, <laughs> fully, I'm in, I'm in. I need no more convincing. Um, how are you doing, Jessica? I'm, I'm doing all right. That's the that's the first time since I recorded that section of the audiobook that I've read those words aloud. So it's always amazing to sort of like hear How do you what feel? I have to say. How does it feel this time? <laughs> it, it feels pretty good. Every time I read it again, it's just sort of like, because, you know, when you write a book, you you read it like 40 or 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I can only imagine. Oh, my God. But like still it must it must feel like does it feel new still like if, do you feel still like oh wow the that feeling whenever you read it 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 does because you know I obviously know what I wrote but sometimes there's just like that little extra kick when I go mm -hmm. back to some of my words and think yeah that's right that's true <laughs> exactly um well I want to start off on this book I mean I feel like the obvious question to ask is what made you, what, what got you into want uh, the idea of black lives matter, black love matters. But like, I feel like that's just an obvious question. It's it, when you're black, it's like that, mm. that's, that's, you notice that that's something that you see it, whether like it be popular, the missing of in popular culture and media and representation, but what made you feel like you need, you were like, Oh, this is, something I need to write this book about now? It's it's a combination of things. Um, just like in my personal reading and in my reading for Book Riot, I had sort of amassed this follow, not, hmm. I didn't amass a following myself. I amassed a group of people that I was mm -hmm. following who mm -hmm. had really great things to say about it. And I was picking up new books by um, authors who were publishing either independently or coming into the traditional publishing world. And mm -hmm. at the same time that that was happening, I read Well-Read Black Girl by Glory Edom, which is a great anthology um, that is inspirational for this one as far as format goes, where um, she collected a bunch of voices about um, who wrote essays about the first time they saw themselves in fiction and mm -hmm. I was reading it and I was reading it and 
of course, I identified with a lot of things as a um, cis Black woman, um, but there was still something missing. And part of that was sort of what I was talking about in the introduction, where, you know, we read Toni Morrison, we read Alice Walker, we read um, Jacqueline Woodson, and all of these authors bring something really important, but it's not quite the same as what I had been reading. Mm-hmm. So I sort of sat on that for a bit and thought, what would something like this look like from the point of view of people whose literary foundation is romance? Um, Mm. And I sort of went from there. And I mean, that's such a, what an interesting perspective to take on this. Um, How did that go from that point? Well, I, I, I sat on it for a while. I sort of like when I finished Well Read Black Girl, I sort of wrote mm. something for myself that was kind yeah. of like, these are my feelings about about this and what it would mm. look like. Um, mm. But I I didn't really do anything with it. And then I was talking with a writer friend um, mm. and she was like, I think you've got something here. You should, you know, ask around or something. So I reached out to a Twitter mutual who happens to be an agent and she had been an editor in publishing before and Mm. was like, so I have this idea. Do you think it could like work? And she was like, Mm. yes, absolutely. Let's get going. So (laughs) and then it went from there. (laughs) And I mean, the rest is history, right? Yeah. Um, That's, I mean, wow. And one, I mean, what that feel like that should be like you should mark down your calendar as a moment in time because i mean this book is one gorgeous i love the color cover of it it's such a great cover but like two it's you see that title and you're like yes i'm in i'm drawn in Mm -hmm. because like i feel like black love is is underrepresented underrepresented (laughs) underrepresented in um culture it has been for so long Mm um what when you were writing this, like, what were the biggest like deficits in that that you that you saw in like the in romance? I think part like the biggest thing is the fact that um, there are so few books published, especially in traditional publishing, the big five, the mm-hmm. um, the smaller publishers that are technically called independent but they're still huge uh compared to like the independent um Mm. authors um there's such a small number comparatively of authors who are black who are writing about black people and especially who are writing about black love in particular because a lot of the um the best-selling novels that are coming out from Penguin, Random House, from HarperCollins, from all of those who that are written by Black authors um, might have one Black character in the mm-hmm. romantic relationship. So, you know, and that's great. I love interracial romances. They, they're kind of my bread and butter. They're so mm-hmm. fun. Um, but there was something essential missing out of, mm-hmm. out of that combination. And there's um, a bookstore in Los Angeles, Studio City, LA, whatever, Southern California. I don't know what, yeah. what you want to call it in particular, <laughs> the Ripped Bodice. And mm. they do a study on um, 
basically racial representation in romance every year and they've done it for Mm -hmm. five years and you know there's there's been some conversation recently about how they do this study because it's not like they have like a statistician who's doing it but they're the only people who are really pulling together these numbers specific for romance Mm -hmm. and the I think in the total of the five years that they've been doing it like eight percent of authors publishing in romance traditionally so not like self-published authors which is a completely different ball game um Mm -hmm. but at least in big five and all of their imprints and stuff eight percent of those were authors of color so if even if you then take out the other colors um asian american Mm -hmm. authors um indian authors Latinx authors that means even fewer than eight percent are black so (laughs) there's just like a complete dearth of representation even though there are these big names that we see a lot but it's the same like five or six names yeah so and I mean and it's I mean I feel like that conversation recently (laughs) has been like (laughs) talked about in terms of like what is who is kind of gatekeeping that who is Mm -hmm. who is making who why aren't there more and usually that the um the answer to that is they're like oh we don't get enough submissions we're not finding the authors but I feel like I feel like that's from your book that's not true right Mm mm-hmm Yeah, I mean, there, and the part of it is that, like, there are definitely gatekeepers who say they're not getting enough submissions, but Mm -hmm. what they're really saying is they're not getting the submissions they want. Mm -hmm. So there are some people who've just decided to not even go that route. Um, Mm -hmm. I saw a tweet either earlier today or recently that somebody, somebody wrote that was like, Black people in traditional romance are Black and black people in indie romance are black and they're like Mm. all the like capitalized with extra uh like emojis and that kind of thing and you can kind of see if you read um like christina c jones who writes the chapter on indie black romance in this book Mm. there's just like there's this whole kind of feeling that you get reading some of the books that don't explain things about the black experience that dig really deep into that and they don't submit to traditional publishers because they they would have to like take out some of that that experience in order to appeal to the greater audience or whatever you want to say and i mean do you the greater audience, I mean, who is that really, right? Yeah. <laughs> who, are, yeah. who are they really trying to say? It's like the greater audience is always like, they're like the greater audience, the wider audience, the mm-hmm. the audience who is always like, I feel like it's always been, it's, 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 it's that thing they always say where it's like, well, it's always been that way. Mm-hmm. We're like, you know, they're always trying to cover up things that are have been wrong by saying it's always been that way. Where it's like it's always been white romance stories that have 
been pushed more and so when they say the greater audience is the audience that has only ever seen these we're mm-hmm. like you see every I feel like it's almost every time they there's like some romance that is not white it's like comes out to like acclaim like people love it people I'm thinking like cinema especially or in television mm-hmm. where it's like the moonlight the um crazy rich Asians the mm-hmm. Aristotle and Dante when it came out um all of like it's always like people love it people want it people Mm -hmm. on it but like there's still it's the gatekeepers that are like eh but all right that worked but who knows if it'll work next time right yeah and like it's 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 a lack of faith and I mean you have a stellar uh group of writers who come on to this book who are you know lending their voice to talk about it what have you what like similarities in terms of experience of trying to of researching this um researching this topic and you know writing on this topic have you found from all these writers I would say that the biggest similarity that they that all of them have really shown is that you know, they have figured out a way to either pull up a chair to the table or Mm -hmm. make their own table and have people come, come sit at it because, you know, like the first, the first essay in the book is by Beverly Jenkins, who is like the reigning monarch of black romance. Like she's been her first book was published in 1994 and she's just going, going for it. And she has a very specific, I hate to call it a niche because black historical romance should not be a niche, but like she is one of the very few people doing it. She's like um, an empire built around her, like yeah. in this niche, like she, oh, sorry. Go <laughs> I mean, like, it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's oof, it like, oof. Um, but no, it's, I mean, yeah, she, she like, she did so much work mm-hmm. there in that niche. Um, what you were saying, sorry. Oh yeah, so, you know, like, and from her up to like, I, I want to say, um, Kosoko Jackson is probably the other end of that. You know, he is a Black queer man traditionally publishing a Black queer romance with Berkeley, who is, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, they're my publisher. So I, mm-hmm. I feel where it's like they're, they're at the front of the game right now as far as like mm-hmm. pushing new stories. Um, mm-hmm. But so you've got like these two ends of the spectrum and then you've got all of these various people who've been working within the system for so long, just either doing it on their own or finding finding places to bring their stories to the forefront. And yeah. they've they've managed it. And, you know, the fact that this book is like half of the contributors to this book either have or on the way to having PhDs and it's just like one of those things where it's it it's another it's yet another a like bit of proof of that like you got to work 10 times harder Oof. to 
to do this kind of thing could because like these are like the brilliant minds of Mm -hmm. of everything and they are fighting for their cause basically as far as romance goes and it's just it's it's been so great to see how their expertise sort of combines with these this idea of romance and like I hate the word elevate it's one of my least favorite words reference to romance because so many people talk about how this new book elevates the genre when like it doesn't need elevation but like their work is really elevating everything we know about the genre really so it's just it's so great to have been able to like pick their brains and see Mm -hmm. their words and go back and forth with them to really like understand Mm -hmm. their knowledge of this genre it's it's so funny you say that too because I was just having a conversation with a friend about um Mm rom-coms and how like it's always about elevating the rom-com to make it like now at least it's been like relevant to making them seem um more cinema more to cinephiles or more to the Mm -hmm. you know pushing the envelope there where it's like no rom-coms have been around people love rom-coms people love romance stories like that like like it doesn't need to be elevated it's 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 important everyone loves Mm -hmm. romance and on that like I what 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 has drawn you to like the romance in specifically well, not specifically, but if you want to talk about specifically the Black romance genre, like what um, what sparked that interest in it for you? Well, I've always I've always seen romances around. Like I grew mm-hmm. up in a matrilineal family. My mother, my grandmother, my aunt, they always had, you know, those mass market paperbacks yeah. hanging out. So those were the first books that I picked up when I was too old for golden books. <laughs> um, and of course it was like, you're not quite old enough for these yet. Hang out mm-hmm. for a bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like having these, you know, brilliant black women in my own life reading romance Mm -hmm. it was like uh, okay they see something in these so I'm going to pick them up Mm -hmm. um and I realized in those early days that what I loved about them was the guarantee that it would end well Mm because like you know I don't mind a sad story but if I'm gonna pick up a romance I know that people are gonna fall in love Mm -hmm there's going to be really interesting character development and Mm -hmm. then it's going to end with them still together and nobody will be sad. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that should be it. (laughs) Yeah. That should be, that should be it. Um, I mean, there's, they have to be sad though, to be happy to, they have to like, there has to be, doesn't there have to be like a little bit of sadness and fear right before the climax where everything's happy and like that's that's my favorite part it's like the roller coaster like you have to drop to then rise back up and you know it's it's the ride it's the ride of that how has that um love and fascination for it evolved over the years from like you know that young age to now it's it's taken a a few interesting turns um Mm. I'll, i'll tell you one thing in high school i discovered 
the magical world of fan fiction when I was oh, doing doing oh no. a research project on Jane Austen of all people. <laughs> um, oh, oh no, that's I feel. Oof, yeah, I yeah. get that. I get that. So, like my like happy reading for a while was mostly on the internet, but of course mm-hmm. it was all the same thing. It was there is the story. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know mm-hmm. at the end it's going to be okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah. like I even took that with me, and then I sort mm-hmm. of came back to romance after library school um, because, well, for one thing, I got my first e-reader, and mm-hmm. there is there was all of this romance that mm-hmm. I could download on the Kindle app. And it was like, oh, I, I like these. I should check them out. And then I hate to say, my the first time I picked up a Beverly Jenkins book, I was actually in my 20s. And it was like, how did it take me this long to find this? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I see this before? Like, I right. don't, like, maybe it was just, you know, like going to the big box bookstore in, in high school looking for that kind of thing. It probably had like, the African-American section and the romance section. And I don't know where it would have been in mm-hmm. between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, but then between sort of exploring my library mm-hmm. and seeing all of these things pop up on Kindle and then like following people on Twitter, I yeah. sort of discovered like, all of these different avenues of like the Mm -hmm. traditionally published like Beverly Jenkins and then people like Rebecca Weatherspoon and Alyssa Cole and -hmm. then people like Christina C. Jones and the whole empire that she's pulled together (laughs) Um, and all of her friends um, who write amazing books and then there's just like all of these avenues that I've been able to to dig and dive down to sort of find new people who are writing amazing stories about black people. And I mean, we need, and we need, we need more and we need Mm -hmm. like, there's, I mean, they, and these people are amazing. They're doing such good work. And like, you know, with the bare, the barest of bare like things to support them. Mm -hmm. Like, cause I mean, listen, black art, it's not as supported as it needs to be and it should be but um no i mean they've these heroes have done a lot of the hard work for a lot of you know the newer generation of writers too to come through and like throughout your research do you feel like hopeful for that like hopeful for these new writers to be able to like maybe find an easier way to get their work in and you know tell their stories I do, you know, like I'm still, I'm still sort of wondering what more traditional publishers can do besides bring in more uh, black editors and other people mm-hmm. of color, you know, in in the places where the gatekeeping happens. But I also see that whether, you know, even um, even the independently publishing authors are getting their names out there and people are talking about them and they can write the books that they really want to write while we wait for traditional publishing to get its act together. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're seeing more people 
um, across all of the various intersectionalities that we have as Black people, Black trans authors, uh, more Black queer authors of uh, all genders, um, you know, neurodivergent authors, all of that. They're sort of like, they're starting to pop up a little more and eventually um, we'll be able to see them on both sides of the coin. So I'm hoping that that's my vision for the future. <laughs> no, I mean, and I think that's a, that's, I hope that's a vision that comes true um, because, you know, we, and one thing that always gets me with Black romance, and I mean, I think that's why a lot of publishers and a lot of um, places are hesitant to publish these books is because they think that it's only for Black audiences. They think mm -hmm. that if it's showing Black love, only people who will care about it are Black people. Mm -hmm. We're like, everyone can experience it. Everyone can read those books and feel like, uh, oh, this is great. I love this story. I love the story, even though like, I mean, the fact that, I mean, we have to do it all the time as black mm -hmm. people, we have to, the amount of white romance stories I have seen that I like, but mm -hmm. also that I have read is like so much when I, whenever I feel like I ask um, white people the same thing, they're like, oh, I haven't read a lot of black stories and black, um, like these specific types of black stories. And I'm like, why? What is holding you back? Is that something that throughout your research you guys encountered too? Like a lot of white audience hesitation to read these novels as well? That is definitely something, you know, like I haven't done a whole lot of broad empirical research. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of what all of us talk about is um, a little more close to home, but mm -hmm. also, um, you know, I've, I've done surveys for uh, book riot type stuff mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. But anecdotally, that has definitely been a huge issue of, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I, the, the big can't relate that I mentioned in the introduction, where it's like, I mean, I have to relate to you, because that's all I was able to read that's exactly. all that's all I read most of the time like <laughs> right <laughs> right so, so what is it about our experience that you don't think is the same as yours mm -hmm. um that and why does it have to be the same right and it uh it it there's it's it's fair it's only fair <laughs> Yeah. Like, see us on screen the way we've had to see you on screen. I want to, like, every time I hear, I'm, like, asked that and people are like, no, I haven't read that. I want to, like, clockwork orange, their eyes open and be like, <laughs> you're going to watch all, you're going to watch and read and listen to all these things now. I'm going to, mm -hmm. like, force you to um, do this the way I was forced to. Um, but that's not consensual. And I do not believe in any of that non-consensual forcing people to watch things that they aren't choosing, though, even though I think that they should. Um, and that's a Just, PSA you know, out to my listeners. <laughs> cheer, cheerful badgering. How about that? Yes. I will badgering. nag you until you finally pick it up and love it. And I am great at that. I am, I'm, I'm an annoying presence. So if you don't want me to come after you, <laughs> read, read a black romance book written by a black author now today today at your looks 
Um, your book also covers, which is something that I feel like, especially in the Black community, is still, you know, not talked about as much as it should be, but queerness, too, in terms of mm-hmm. Black romance. Um, can you talk about, like, that talk that in the book black queerness uh black trans stories and romance how has that been like overlooked and what is being like done to help you know further that and further that um exposure is not the word I want to use but it's the one I'm thinking for the exposure of people seeing black queerness and black trans people in these uh stories too Sure. Yeah, I I like one of the things that I really wanted to make sure was represented in this book was Mm -hmm. the the black queer story. And, you know, in part, that's because I myself am queer. Um, And but I didn't want to take over that that story so i i reached out to a few people who might have different experiences and i was really happy to be able to get uh essays from nicole m jackson who Mm. writes as katrina jackson um Mm. in her romance um and kosoko jackson they are not related by the way (laughs) um and people think they are right yeah, and um, and also Deshaun Harrison, who uh, mm-hmm. is just a, a brilliant human, and their their particular essay is um, like fantastically cerebral. It's it's probably the most theoretical essay that's mm-hmm. included in this book, and it's just it's so deep in the questions about desire and who can be desired and all of that um, that comes from their experience being um, a trans, queer, disabled, Black human. Um, yeah. But, and so like, um, and Nicole and Kosoko are both authors um, of romance who had to find themselves and they're sort of two different generations of Black queerness um, coming, bringing their like, their own personal sort of experience to the, the question of finding that queer story. And it was, it's just, it's a, it's great to have so many different perspectives because, um, you know, having a queer cis woman who, you know, talks about just, f- first of all, finding queerness in herself and then finding it in romance, the genre in which she writes and in which people told her that it it didn't exist. Um, yeah. and, and then having like this, this brand new um, romance author coming up and seeing sort of a, a whole different experience as a cis male black author. Mm-hmm. And then, so it's just like, there's, there's so much to come out of their individual essays yeah um and i'm really looking forward to how that broadens in the future because like i know that we're seeing you know not more and more and more like i wish it was more and more and more because i love um i love seeing books from that experience but like Mm -hmm. definitely a few here and there um who are not cisgender heterosexual authors writing about 
black love and you know it's nice <laughs> it's nice and it's what we want it's what we need <laughs> it's what we need it's what we need um all right well so this episode is actually going to be our valentine's day episode it premieres on um valentine's day february 14th um and so for a fun thing i thought for to do for our listeners especially to get more you know black romance stories you know seen and told or seen and read by um more people and talked about and i mean a perfect place to get more people is our listeners right here Mm -hmm. do you have any black romance novels that you specifically want to recommend to our listeners right now ah there's always that question (laughs) and i'm always ready for it and then i'm not (laughs) (laughs) i'm so sorry that's okay um so i definitely want to recommend because we've talked about her like five times already beverly jenkins Mm -hmm. right her newest her newest book wild rain is like nothing i've read before it's amazing how someone who's been writing for so long can just keep putting together these new stories and they're just better and better and better and more different every time. Um, So I definitely want to recommend um, that one Mm -hmm. because it's fantastic. And um, one author that I have been sort of slowly making my way through their work is um, Nicole Falls. And she's one of the independent authors that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, So her books are blackety black, like so, so magically black. Um, And the most recent one that I read is Shots Not Taken. And it's a basketball romance. And we get so few of those because people don't want to write about giant black men. I mean, like, I feel like that's the only thing holding us back from actually being able to read more basketball romance. Um, And it's, it's just, it's a, it's an excellent book and I'm, Mm. I've, I have been enjoying it. I've been reading it a little slower um, because there's like, there are so many books. I I gotta be honest. There's too many Mm. books. Too Too many books. And then um, one author that I just want to sort of highlight because I can't pick pick one um, is Reese Ryan. And she actually writes um, mostly category romances through Harlequin. And I've been trying to sort of like highlight the, the I've been trying to read more category romances because there are some really great ones and they don't get as much press and because they they have a more ephemeral life life uh lifetime i don't know yeah. um then some of these books because harlequin produces like a whole like 100 books a month or something um mm-hmm. they they don't get as much press when when they come out so she's she's got a bunch of really great books um, in the Harlequin Desire line, and I just I really enjoy her writing. No, I mean, wow, what a, a listeners! I hope you wrote those down. Rewind, <laughs> go back and listen. <laughs> write them down. Go read them. I know I have some romance listeners out there who are looking for you know a romantic. Some of us are single. 
and I I will be I will admit I'm one of those people and you know some of us even if even us single people we want some romance listen go read one of these books and take a nice bath on valentine's day (laughs) or or any other day of the year um that you are single in or maybe you won't be but you still you know want to want to have some romance in there go take a nice long bath light some candles get one of these books i mean you probably should do that before you take the bath light the candles (laughs) to each their own (laughs) to each their own um (laughs) go you know and read take take this is do some like you know, something nice for yourself and read one of these books because we all need some romance in our life. Um, Absolutely. And we all need, we all need some black romance in our life. I, every one of you, mm-hmm. no matter who you are, get some black romance in your life. Uh, Jessica, this has been such a great episode of the podcast. I, I love black love. So this is, you know, great to, it's fantastic to read a book that, you know, focuses on focuses on that and talks about it and talks about it in an honest and open way that I feel like will definitely help move the genre forward um, as we go on Um, but thank you thank you so much thank you for having me it's been it's been great to talk about all of this stuff it's been great hearing you talk about this Um, (laughs) to to our listeners, you can go right now, right this second. I've seen it on the shelves and it is beautiful. You can run to your bookstore to go buy Black Loves Matter, Real Talk on Romance, Being Seen and Happily Ever Afters by Jessica B. Pride. Right now at your bookstore. It's on display at Skylight Books right, right now. So you mm-hmm. better go on over and get yourself a copy and really just uh, learn about, learn about, um, learn learn about black love representation and romance and also about you know why why it's important and why we need to read it and maybe get some great recommendations for books in the future um jessica is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners um in the independent bookstore community yes Thank you all for supporting this little book in particular. Um, And I especially want to thank the independent bookstore folks who have been strong proponents of romance, Um, whether no no matter who's writing them, but especially romance by authors of color and black romance in particular. If you you have them, we will come. So... (laughs) and that's and that's the truth and that's i mean i want that on a shirt (laughs) i would sell it i would be there i would push it at a bookstore um no thank you again jessica this has been fantastic and to all our listeners thank you so much for listening for coming for you know listening to this podcast i appreciate you if you're listening to this on valentine's day happy valentine's day to you all I will gladly be all of your Valentine's Day for the day if you need one. And if you don't, I'll still be that Valentine's Day person for you. Um, so yeah, show show someone you love them that day. But you have a great re- and wonderful day. Do something nice for yourself and I'll see you all soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. 
Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.